Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Okay, and if you're ready, we'll start in three, two, one. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor and our tech magician producer, John Posey. Rob is feeling under the weather, so he's absent. Uh, you can go to the mysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. My latest novel is White Crows, and Rob's latest novel is Bluebus. Candace M. Sanderson, our guest today, lives in Naples, Florida, across the state from us. Her life changed in a 10-minute period of time in August 2013 when she began to receive information from messengers with, from otherworldly sources. When her trainee as a psychologist failed to explain these events, she reluctantly followed the breadcrumbs down a path which resulted in extraordinary adventures into the unknown. The reluctant messenger and reluctant messenger returns chronicle her expedition across the vast expanse of universal consciousness that led to new truths about life that she thought she had known so well. And she's also written several shorter books, including Stampede and Close Encounters. Welcome. <laughs> it's so good to see you again, Candace. Oh, well, thank you. It's so good to be back. It's you know, it's funny when you do an, an interview with someone, even though it's it's over Zoom or something. And but uh, knowing that you're just right across the state from me makes me feel even closer to you. So this is I know, great. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It's it's good to be back. Now, how long have you lived in Naples? I have lived here since the the early nineties. It was like I oh, think okay. nineteen ninety two. So I I've been here long enough where it is definitely my home now. Is it changing the way the East Coast is, with an influx yes. of more people? Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I, you know, as, as that happens, I just bring my world a little bit closer. <laughs> I just stay closer that's, at home. I pretend that's it doesn't wiser. happen. <laughs> okay, here's uh, before you began having these astonishing experiences, uh, which began in 2013. I think you'd already ventured to the Monroe Institute in Virginia, where they explore explore OBEs, right? So, do you think yes. that what happened to you there triggered the events that that followed? with your otherworldly well, stuff? I don't really think that's what happened. Trish is like, I know that's what happened. It okay. was absolutely, it was, I mean, it was definite. It was absolutely the Monroe Institute. Now, yeah. a little bit of background, you know, I, I was a psychologist, which meant I had a very pragmatic life. I believed mm -hmm. only what my physical senses measured. I was interested in these kinds of things, these psychic phenomena, out-of-body experiences, but like I had no skills at all, but I was uh. curious. But I had this tipping point when I was at one of the programs with Monroe. And I mean, there is that direct line that you can 
you know, connect all the dots to when this happened to me, then that happened to me. And it was, it was all Monroe. It was, um, it was actually a life. Which program was it? Okay. I was just going to say it was a lifeline program. Are you familiar with that? Uh, Yeah, I'm familiar with their programs. I haven't been to any, but I I know Nancy McMoneyville, so. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, the Lifeline program is where you go and you do these soul rescues or you do retrievals. Now, back then, I didn't really think that was the thing. You know, I I mean, are you serious? You're you're actually going to retrieve real people who have died and you help them to the other side? It's like, no, 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 that's nonsense. I thought that maybe what you were doing is retrieving aspects of yourself. And I thought mm-hmm. I could understand that. But, you know, I didn't care. But the reason I didn't care, Trish, is because I didn't go to Lifeline for that program. It was a prerequisite for another program. So I oh, really I didn't that. care. Okay. But, you know, that's what's so interesting about this. That actually worked in my favor. So I'm attending a program that I don't care about. I'm attending a program where there's no, like, performance anxiety. I don't care if I retrieve anyone. I don't even know if it's true. So going in with that set of whatever happens, happens, actually worked in my favor. Um, You were open. I was open. I was open uh-huh. and not tied to the outcome whatsoever. But we, I remember our first um, session. What we're trying to do is they told you to try to get newcomers, people who have recently passed, because they're easier to reach. And I thought, yeah, right. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm listening and, and, you know, there's all of the meditations are all these beautiful, you know, headphones and they're very well guided. And I'm thinking, well, I got nothing, <laughs> you know, nothing's happening. <laughs> and it's, uh, it didn't surprise me. I mean, I was interested in this. Other people had skills. I didn't, but it's like, okay. Then something really weird happened. All of a sudden, I decided to reach outside of where I was. And we use something that's called a check unit. It looks like a, a sleeping mm-hmm. berth on a, on a train. I reached outside and fumbled for my phone. I brought my phone in, turned it on, and found my recording app, and I hit record. Like, I don't know why I did that. And out of the blue, I started talking. I said a man's name, first and last name, Robert. I won't Hmm. say his last name, but his last name is three syllables. It's not an odd name, but I don't know anyone by that name. And then I said... Topeka, Kansas. I've never been there. And then I said the word Jackson. And I don't know why, but I just knew that Jackson was not a family name. I didn't know what it was. Now, the psychologist in me takes over and says, ha, 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 you know, look how your brain works. You know, this is something that psychologists we we know is a concept called confabulation. You don't know the answers to something, so your brain just invents details. So I'm thinking, haha, you know, I'm confabulating. Well, at the end of this first session, everyone's called to get together to debrief. And I had my phone in my hand. So I go ahead and Google this man's name, put in Topeka, Kansas. 
and I put in obituary and it's like, oh, oh my wow. gosh, <laughs> there's his obituary. And he had died three months ago to the day of the retrieval. Oh, and for some reason that made it even more significant. So I'm thinking, what on earth? How, you know, I, I just don't understand this. Then as I'm reading his death notice, I see the word Jackson. And I was right. It's like, how did I know this? Jackson was not a family name. It was the county where he lived and also where he worked. And that hmm. Jackson was part of the title of the business where he worked. Now, I, it just it blew me away. But there was one other thing that I read. And that was a tipping point for me. This man was also a psychologist. Now, oh, I didn't God. get that. But when I read it, it's like these bells and whistles went off. Huh. And I realized, oh, that's why we connected. We shared the energy, the energy frequencies, uh -huh. whatever that is, of being a psychologist. And after that, this is a six-day program, I got more and more validation. I got people's first, middle, and last names, uh. where they lived, sometimes spouses' names. But when I left Lifeline, I changed. I was a different person. Now, I went in not uh, believing this. But did but you I help left. him cross over? Is oh, that... yes, absolutely. Oh, you did? Okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> I and and by the end of the program, I was no longer asking for verifiable information. I didn't need it. Uh, I was gathering people in groups. I was getting 20 and 30 people at a time geez. and helping them move over. Even today, uh, when I go through in, in Monroe, you're, you're talking about like Focus 21 starts uh -huh. that bridge over to 27, which is like the other side, uh, the park, there's all sorts of names for it. But I would, anytime I go there, I stop, I call people to me, spirits to me when they're ready to cross, uh -huh. they'll see me. I call their guides and angels and we go over and we make that, we make that uh -huh. transition. But a couple, okay, so couple weeks later, I came home and I started channeling, but it was that lifeline that was a tipping point for me. I no longer, I didn't believe these things. I knew them to be factual. It, uh -huh. it changed my life. Well, now explain to me, okay, you helped them cross over. What, what's involved in that? I mean, it, is it a physical thing? I mean, what, how does it work? <laughs> it's probably different for each person who does this. Uh -huh. But for me, once I would connect with someone, I just did what seemed natural. Well, first of all, let me back up. When you go to the program, they will say, you know, ask if you can help. You know, they kind of guide you on oh, what to okay. do. Uh -huh. But now it's it's just spontaneous. And I ask for my angels and guides to come in. And um, it's interesting because once I was doing a retrieval with a, a little boy, uh, he had passed. He was on a on a sled and hit a tree and, and died of a head injury, but he was really hesitant to come with me. And then this dog showed up 
and he started petting the dog and the dog allowed him to come with me. He felt comfortable. And I realized that was an angel or guide, his guide, probably. And that energy form that we call that we call angels or we call guides morphed into a form that was comfortable for this young, young boy. But I call in help. I call in help from my angels, from their angels. And sometimes I can actually see them as a transition and go to the other side. It's actually huh. beautiful. Well, so are they stuck once they, is that the idea? They're st- yes. stuck here. Yes. But with, with, for example, the reason we started off with newcomers is it's not uncommon when people first cross over to not make it all the way. First of all, a lot of them uh-huh. will stick around for several days if there's some kind of a, a funeral service or memorial mm. service for them, they're around. But they're trying to get their footing. I mean, this is a new territory for them. Mm. So they're ready to go, but they just need a little guidance. Now, later in the program, we started retrieving people who had been there for longer times and they really were stuck. I think the newcomers um, stuck is probably not the correct term. They're Uh just temporarily a little confused. Mm -hmm. uh, That dog appearing is interesting. Do you think it was actually the spirit of a dog? Is that possible? I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it's possible, Uh but the, um, the intuitive thought that I had when this occurred or after it occurred and I thought about it was I got the impression that it was true guidance, like an angel Uh or a guide, you know, maybe even using the form of a dog, perhaps that had been the dog Uh of that child. But I felt like it was like, this child needs something else. He doesn't want to come with a stranger. And Uh of course we tell our kids don't go with strangers. (laughs) But once that dog was there, everything changed. So somehow Uh it was a form of, I think a form of guidance more so than just the spirit of, of his dog. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, That's the, that's the bottom line. You never do know, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So, I know you've continued your work with the Monroe Institute. I always say with, you know, your face off to the Monroe Institute. And I think, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> um, what's it like to spend time there? What, what what other programs have you done? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's probably easier to say what programs I have, you know, I have not done. done. I, I've done. I, I've done over 20 programs. And when I go, oh. it's it's like it is my home away from home. And I, I'm kind of joking, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe <That> not. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like I measure my life by what's the next program I'm going to take, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to attend there. But I've been to so many of them. And each time when I return, I've changed. Now, mm-hmm. you know, you go into a program and you're at a certain level. Here's your baseline. So when Uh you go to the program, you're in this beautiful, expansive state. Before you come back, they bring you back down. They ground you so you can go back home. But you never go as low as you were before. You never go Uh to that baseline. 
that you've built up. And so program after program, you're building a different way of life. You're you're building uh-huh. in ways that um, that you can't get through reading a book. And yeah. you reach a tipping point. Or for me, I did. I reached a tipping point. Um, you know what? One this- thing I... I'm just curious, was it after the first program where you you quit being a school psychologist and started writing? No, I started started writing while I was a psychologist. And I just retired in 2018. And I actually uh, wrote my book and published it. I mean, I'd written it before, but, uh, you know, during the few hours that I would have free while working. But um, like two weeks after I retired, I published that first book. So those okay. experiences were ongoing. In fact, what I would do is um, uh, initially when I started channeling, I was driving to work. I had like a 10 minute. Yeah, I remember that. You know, uh-huh. and it's like all of a sudden my world, you know, just opened. But, you know, one thing I really love, Trish, about the Monroe Institute is. Uh, this is not going to sound right, but oh, well. <laughs> It's the lazy person's way to meditate. They use, mm. they use, you they know, did, you yeah. put on head, you put on headphones, and Bob Monroe. Scene. Well, Bob Monroe started off, and he developed Hemisync, and Hemisync. Uh-huh. That's what he patented. It's like uh, layers and layers of binaural beats, and he found that these binaural beats, you know, with you know a little bit tweaking here and tweaking there. Mm would put people in these expanded states of consciousness. And he tried to keep the woo-woo out of his programming. Now, there was no religion. There was no woo-woo stuff. It was all just, it was science. So he would Uh layer, yeah, he would use these layers, and then he would label these focus levels. So you wouldn't call focus 27 heaven, you know, because that's too, that's too religious. Yeah, that's too religious. (laughs) It's focus 27. It's okay to call it the park, but, you know, don't call it anything else. (laughs) But now um, Monroe has, Monroe Institute has expanded on that. They still use Mm. binaural beats and they layer the binaural beats, but they have something that they call um, Monroe sound science. So they've added like, oh, there's like frequency, phase, and amplitude modulation. So huh. it's it's improved, but it's still the same thing. Once you get that perfect combination, then you have this, I don't know, uh, targeted sound wave pattern that hmm. takes people places. Uh-huh. Um, and so as a participant, you don't have to do anything. You put the headphones on <laughs> and those freak. That's why I say it's a lazy person's yeah. way to meditate. Those frequencies actually take you there. You just kick back and relax. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's great. <laughs> you don't have to exert any, oh my God, I'm not doing anything right. That kind of thing. Oh, yeah. no, it's perfect. It really is. <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, recently uh, I was, you sent us the, um, the stampede was it stampede or was it no it was close encounters tell me about that that was fascinating the stampede oh was goodness. great too but oh my goodness this the was the white buffalo that was 
Yeah, I loved White Buffalo and Stampede. Stampede is is interesting. Um, but but let me. Well, I think they're all interesting. But <laughs> let me share to you. And, and you you mentioned earlier. I have two two large books. One is Reluctant uh-huh. Messenger, which you see behind me. One is The Reluctant Messenger Returns, and that's a book more about angels and angelic encounters. Mm -hmm. And then I started a series of books, and actually I did the series really just for my family. I wanted to provide (laughs) tiny little books where I could Mm -hmm. give them to my granddaughters as like stocking stuffers or whatever. So I actually have five books in that. The first four are chapters from my first book. Uh-huh. But I reworked them. But then the last one in that series uh, from the Reluctant Messenger series is something that's brand new. It's called Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to Monroe. It was actually like May 1st, 2022. And I took a brand new program. This is the first time it was offered. And it was called NDE, so Near Death Experience, NDE oh. Spectrum. And I thought, okay, this is you know, this is okay. During the very first full day of the program, we had a free flow meditation. Okay. So free flow means they're not guiding you. You're just, you're just relaxing. You're listening to the frequencies and kind of as an afterthought, because you could set an intention on what you wanted to experience, but as an just afterthought, I thought, let's, I think I'll just check in with my guidance team. Well, (laughs) immediately I started downloading messages. That's not unusual. That's what happens to me. And then the messages, the messages change. It started off like really, really poetic. And when it's poetic, I know it's from the muses within. They they speak Uh in poetry and and (laughs) prose. The message was like, you know, energy is like the, you know, like, the wind on you know an eagle soaring on the wind just gorgeous stuff and then all of a sudden it like stopped and this robotic message came in and it's like whoa this is a new messenger what is this and it was like all sensors are open and ready for more data or something like that and i'm thinking what is this but i ended up having a close encounter. I was brought up. Now, this is in a meditative state, but there's mm-hmm. more to that story in a minute. <laughs> and I was brought up into this beautiful vortex of light. And I could feel this energy sw- swirling around me. And I move up this and then out this vortex. And I found myself flipping into you know you know how you you can get a pair of gloves and you put your glove on it just fits you perfect i was like slipping my existence my awareness was slipping into this leather glove and i realized it was a personal aircraft and Uh what i've learned to do since i really started opening up and channeling is I can actually pinpoint my awareness and I can be in multiple, and we all can do this, can be in multiple places at multiple times. Uh 
So there was part of me who was the experiencer, the one who's feeling this machine that I Mm -hmm. slip into. One is the observer, one who's watching. And then there's the scribe Uh who's writing down or dictating exactly what's going on. Well, once I'm in this machine, I feel the and see my body and it starts disappearing. And then I actually see these brilliant lights, kind of like if you've ever seen a welder, you know, welder's Mm -hmm. torch, how bright that light is. That was happening. Uh And if you've ever um, fried an electrical circuit, like plug in the wrong (laughs) device with, you know, I've done that before. There's this distinctive smell of like ozone. Mm -hmm. So all of that happened. And I actually became this flying machine wow um i i you know go up in this vortex of light and then all of a sudden i look around and i'm surrounded by four beams there's Hmm. two on each side of me and i start looking at them it's like they have grayish they were aliens grayish green Hmm. skin they had long bony fingers, no fingernails on the tips of their, no uh. nails on the tips of their fingers, um, no mouth that I could see. The sides of their head had these little slits that looked like gills, and of course those almond-shaped eyes with no pupils. Uh. And they started communicating with me telepathically. And they told me that I could refer to them as the Galactic Eight. And Trish, I'm thinking, okay, one, two, three, four, I only see four. Where are the other ones? So, exactly. So while I'm thinking this, they immediately say, there's two at your head and two at your feet. It's like, oh. Oh, wow. And then they, um, they asked if they could examine me. Now, this is strange for me and I've had a lot of strange experiences (laughs) but I felt okay with this I mean I don't know Uh, why they actually told me they were there to protect me and maintain a close energy connection where everything would be safe and so I I said yes And then I saw this green dot that was floating in my check unit. Now, Trish, I'm actually seeing this with my physical eyes. I'm opening my Uh eyes in my dark check units like I see it. I didn't know it was a laser. It like landed on Uh my jugular notch at the bottom of my chin. Uh And it zipped down my body to my pubic bone. And then... I opened up. Now, that sounds terrifying, but it wasn't. It it it, hmm. it it wasn't. I knew that these were very skilled beings. Now, I don't know, maybe they're us in the future. You know, that thought came to mind. I don't hmm. really know who they are. But this was, I knew this was a, like a two-way street. So I asked them, you know, if you see any kind of imbalances in Uh my body, 
you certainly have my permission to fix, fix it. it. <laughs> Huh. Um, I, and then, um, was there any I, scar? I, no, I, and I actually looked to see if I had a scar. It's like, <laughs> no, I mean, because okay. it was that real. Um, yeah. I remember looking to my left and more of this ship that I was in came into view. And there was uh, a large semicircle of more beings that were watching. Huh. And they said they were from a galactic council of light. And mm. that was so strange to me. Now, I've read since then, it's like a lot of people talk about the galactic council of light. Uh -huh. Trish, I'd never heard of them. In fact, I, I cared. It's not that I could care less about having a close encounter. I didn't want to have one. I was actually a little mm. afraid of it. So like if you're going to make this up, I would have made up something that would have been more more pleasant. Like no, <laughs> but but anyway, um, then I see another green light that comes down, and, and, and it goes across open. me. Yeah. My eyes are open, uh -huh. and it goes across. So we're both those wow um, lasers meet. I see this pulsating like a heart. And then later I realized, well, you know, the heart chakra is green. So it's pulsating. Uh, and then they told me that this was a homing beacon. And so uh, I would uh, be able to connect with them later. Now, this was so far beyond my comfort zone. You know, I didn't know what to think. But I had been channeling and I, I've had so many different messages that mm. seemed bizarre that I could then validate. And when we had our uh, gathering afterwards, you know, I, I told people about it. And I was a little embarrassed, too, but it's like uh -huh. I've just gotten to tell them. So I did. And then I thought, OK, done, over. I don't have to say anything else. I want to get on with the rest of the program. Not Does so. anybody else have something so similar? Did anybody else report something similar? No. But no. what I found out later, there were a couple people there who were really into like ETs and UAPs. They belonged to Dr. Stephen Greer, and I had heard his name, but didn't really know mm. who he was. They belonged to his um, CE5 group. And they were telling me, oh, the CE5 close encounter, the fifth kind, uh -huh. uses lasers. Well, to call the aliens in, green lasers. And I'm thinking, green lasers? That's what I had. And they said it was Jeez. a homing beacon. But there were so many things like that that just blew me away. But anyway, I was ready to just forget about it. You know, I want to, it's just too weird for me. Then... A couple of nights later, I'm in my check unit because you not only sleep there, that's where you listen to the, uh -huh. uh, the meditations. And in your check unit, they have a little shelf for you to put your um, headphones and they're big, bulky headphones, even larger mm -hmm. than yours, you know. And I woke up a little bit before four and it's like, oh, my gosh, my back was killing me. I had rolled over on my headphones. So in that soft space. <laughs> between your left hip and then the bottom of your left rib cage. It's like, oh, it's, oh, it hurts. 
So I raised up and reached down to grab my headphones to put them on the shelf. There were no headphones there. Oh, God. I saw, I saw with my eyes, three long, greenish-gray, bony fingers withdrawing from my back. Wow, that's creepy. <laughs> it, it is very creepy. But I immediately knew I had been with the Galactic Eight and the, mm-hmm. you know, that I was back with them on their ship. And they uh-huh. were actually returning me to the safety of my check okay. unit. Um, huh. It was. Well, let me ask you a quick, what, what do you think? What do they want? I mean, what's their purpose in doing this okay. kind of thing? I just was um, so curious about this once I got over my fear of what is this. Once I got home, I had a dream with them. And and I do a lot of dream work and I can be lucid Mm -hmm. in my dreams real frequently. But in this dream, the Galactic Eight came to me. There were like two or three of them. I saw their full bodies. They turned away from me and they un zipped the back of their head like down to their shoulder blades and as their skin like dropped away I saw this like conglomeration of just skeletal structures and then I realized oh my gosh those they all looked exactly alike their almond shaped eyes had no pupils and then I realized oh that's why those are just face suits. The huh. head with those almond-shaped eyes was like a helmet. That spacesuit allowed them to operate in that space where huh. I was, where I had raised my vibrations to be there, and they lowered theirs to be there. Hmm. And so I, I asked questions, and they actually told me that they are part of my guidance team. Now, my first book, I have a chapter that's called Cosmic Contacts. Right. I talk about, you know, star beings, people, not people, but spirits or whatever, from uh, Alpha Centauri, from Chiron. We talked about Chiron before, about the Pleiades. But, you know, I never saw those beings uh-huh. I didn't see them as aliens. I didn't see anything. Hmm. So it's like I asked them and they said, you weren't ready to see us. We, <laughs> you know, you're ready for that now. And so they gave me an opportunity to experience something that I was fearful of. And hmm. I'm okay with it. I understand it. And guidance takes many forms, just like the dog we talked, the dog that uh-huh. we talked about earlier. What's so strange about a star being who looks like that typical alien? Um, they're part so, of my okay, guidance so the team, suit, and I've accepted that. So the suit covers their skeletal system. Yes, right? whatever they actually look like. You know, for me, it just looked like bones uh-huh. all just piled together but that suit is what just like a space suit for 
right. you know, our astronauts allowed them to be in that atmosphere of the moon, for example. Mm-hmm. Those spacesuits allowed them to be in that shared space where I was, where they had taken me. <clears throat> now, have you seen them at home? No. When you're not? No. No, well, no other than in the dream state. You know, yeah, right. In the dreams, in the dream I state. did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you haven't felt fingers on your back or anything. No, thank goodness. Thank goodness. (laughs) Now, I did wake up with the dream once and in in the dream and I, you know, I keep a dream journal. I'd have to look it up for the details. But they were telling me I needed to get in touch with a woman and they gave they gave me her name. She owns a metaphysical shop here in Naples, but she actually Uh runs it. She she's moved to another state, Tennessee, actually. So she lives in Tennessee. She visits now and then here in Naples. But they told me I needed to get in touch with her and that I could connect her to them. And it's like, huh. this is crazy. But I know her. <laughs> I, I have her phone number. So I thought, you know what? Who cares? So I texted her and I said, you may think this is strange, but, and then I told her. <clears throat> and she told me, that she was at Mount Shasta, which I had no idea, you know, at the time. And that Mount Shasta is one of those places where a lot of people go, apparently, to connect with the aliens. And she said, I'm leaving in like 15 or 20 minutes to go up the mountain to meet with the aliens. And so I thought, how interesting. Now, that later, is. she she never got back to me to say, oh, we saw the mothership and they took us on board. You know, I don't know <laughs> what happened. But sometimes, like me and that, them returning me to the bed, you may have an experience that um, you're not ready to see yet. So mm-hmm. it, it might be months later before you can understand it or even acknowledge yeah. it. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, I... I'm curious about this because some years ago, a friend and I, a writer friend, and I went to uh, a healing workshop with Eric, was it Eric, Eric Curl, I think it was. And he had just developed this hand thing for, he was a chiropractor, developed that he uh-huh. was inadvertently healing people. So it was in Alabama, I remember. There were a lot of people there. So he said, team up with somebody that you don't know and let's do these hand movements. So I teamed okay. up with a woman next to me. She started doing the hand movements, and all of a sudden, the top of my head blew off, and this beam of light shot through, <laughs> freaked me out, shot through the ceiling, and at the top, I saw three aliens peering down. Yeah. And I said, well, hey, guys, this is interesting. And it was like they were just, you know, they were curious about what was going on. So I thought that was pretty cool. Then a few years later, during one of the hurricanes, I was laying in bed. Megan was asleep. Rob was asleep. All the animals were asleep. I was laying there listening to the wind and thinking, what am I going to do if this, if this, yeah, something blows off here? And I finally fell asleep. But as I was falling asleep, I saw them again. And it was through the same column of light. And they peered down. And it was like a comforting thing. And they said, now you can go to sleep. I woke up four hours later and the hurricane was gone. But I haven't seen them since, you know, so I want them to come back. What do I do? <laughs> you know, you, you bring up so many really good points where, first of all, they are there. You yeah. see them as comforting. I was afraid of them. 
but as I had my experience, I did feel comfortable and later learning they were part of my guidance team is like, okay. So now I can look back at, okay, they took me to their ship and I was asleep and I didn't remember. <laughs> and it's like, I'm okay with that. But as you're falling asleep, you see that you look up and there they are. Well, it kind of reminds me of that, that column of light that they took me uh-huh. up in, but you're in that magical space, Trish, that, that twilight where you're not asleep yet right but you're almost there and you found that that just that magical space where that door could open Uh so i would think first of all knowing that they are still connected to you is strong and is very powerful continue to ask for that ask for them to make themselves known and and one way to do that, uh, are you right-handed? Yes, I am. Yeah. Use your dominant hand, your right hand. You. This is a trick I learned at Monroe. Before <laughs> you go to bed at night, just use a couple of fingers. Tap, tap your third eye and you say, I want my alien friends or whatever to come oh, to okay. me. And then you, you let that go. That's the key. Because a lot of times if we want something... Uh-huh. wanting means you're lacking you don't have it so you don't want to uh-huh. draw in more lack so you right. say actually you should say it like i will meet with my aliens tonight okay let that thought go and then just open to it now uh-huh. you bring up something that's really interesting to me because that twilight area when that happens to me it happens you know right before i go to sleep or mm-hmm. like when you're waking up but also, if I'm in a very deep meditation, I start having hypnagogic images. Uh-huh. Now, for, for listeners who may not know what that is, that's, you know, with your eyes closed. Well, actually, they can be open, but in a dark space, you these swirls of energy and color come in. Mm. When I was with, when I had my close encounter, um, there were transitions that I went through. And each time I went through a transition, things became much clearer. I started understanding the the um, communication, telepathic communication, right. no longer just a word here or there, but I was understanding total concepts. And then my vision cleared where I could see more of the ship. And I saw the Council of, I mean, you know, the Galactic mm. Council of Light. But every time I had that transition, these hypnagogic images came and they were so, yes. And then I would transition. That happened two or three times. Now, this is something that um, when you're ready to, you know, put this video out, I'm going to send you and and John, wonderful John here, I'm going to send you. A couple pictures when I was at Monroe at, um, you know, with my close encounter, I love taking orb photography and I've sent you pictures of orbs before. They're really cool. But I would go out in the middle of the night, not the middle of the night, but it would be dark and I would just snap pictures. I'm not looking at anything. (laughs) I'm just snapping pictures. Well, a couple of days later, I uploaded those pictures to my uh, laptop and I saw this beautiful 
and by far the most interesting picture I've ever taken in my life, but this beautiful swirl of lilac and purple mist. It's floating above the ground. And when you zoom in at the bottom, you can actually see a footprint. You can see its shadow. Like how can a purple mist create a shadow? And because that purple mist, those hypnagogic images, just like that, were such a key part of my transition. It's like, this has got to mean something. And now you're bringing up, that's when you see them, is when you're yeah. in that magical, mystical space where you're not in one dimension or the next. And actually, but you're in between. <laughs> and Actually, what we can learn to do is stretch that out. And I think that is why I have the experience with this now. This this Uh is why I have some of these experiences. So more than likely, I'm just making this up right now because it makes sense to me. (laughs) As that hypnagogic image came, I stretched it and then moved Uh more of my awareness into it which then allowed for a larger view you know yeah. i know okay, i'm gonna try to that, that. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm also gonna try the tapping i like that well, well can can so can i ask a, qu- a question real quick uh so i've i've certainly been seeing some links uh some news stories uh over the last uh month or two about uh some seems like there's a a uh, new round of experimentation going on with psychedelics. Um, it, are psychedelics just a shortcut to get into that state of mind, to get that get the brain chemistry in the right state to have some of these experiences, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with me, um, I was able to get into this experience through Monroe. But there's, there's actually several, many ways that you could do this, okay? And one is using um, native plant medicine. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like psilocybin. People, yeah. Some people do this just through, um, through prayer. You know, let me share something with you. The messengers have told me, for example, they've taught me about consciousness and how consciousness works. And there's a a couple concepts that I I wanna quickly explain. And then John, this will kind of address some of the things you're talking about. Well, first of all, there's two things. I wanna talk about time and I wanna talk about something my messengers have told me is called the P-O-E, point of existence, okay? The point of existence is just a way of visualizing consciousness. But what is consciousness? It's awareness, that's it. It's just awareness. But for most of us as human beings, we think that we are our physical bodies. Um, My hand hurts, my foot hurts, my hair looks great today. It's my, my, my. Well, the reason we think we are our physical bodies is because our POE point of consciousness 
It's like a teeny tiny dot. It's like a particle that's deeply embedded within us. So we think that we are our physical bodies. Okay, now let's look at time. I always thought that time was you go from event A to event B and you look at your POE, your point of existence, and you travel dot, 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 dot along that, you know, from A to B. It's linear. It's one direction. It's logical. It's straight like an arrow. It's sequential. And time marches forward only. Well, the messengers, because some of them come in and just give me all these beautiful lessons, and they give them in such a way it's so easy to understand. The messengers say, no, time's not like that. It's like a sine wave. So it is a curvy, wavy sine wave. So now let's look at our point of existence, that little dot. And now we're traveling around. And so from event A to event B, it's just gotten a little bit more complicated. So time's not <laughs> so straightforward. It's a little fluid. Now, John, this is where we introduce expanded awareness. How do you get into expanded awareness? I went to Monroe Institute. I did that lazy thing of just listening and letting the frequencies take me. Some people have prayer. A lot of people, and there's, I don't know if more people are doing this or they're just talking about it, but they're using sacred ceremonies. They're, they're using plant-based medicines that catapult them quickly into this state. You can also use drumming. But now, when you do that, let's look at that POE, that point of existence. It changes. <laughs> it's no longer a dot. It morphs into a circle, a sphere, a three-dimensional globe of life force energy. Okay, it's not in the body, it's this big. So let's take a look at this point of existence and let's superimpose it on that sine wave. All of a sudden you go from here to here. So you have all of this sine wave that is now within your field of awareness. So in that state, and this just makes such sense to me, you can now perceive the past. And Trish, we're not talking about two weeks ago. It could be two lifetimes yeah. ago. You can also perceive the, the possibilities future. of the future. And the mm -hmm. future, and I say possibilities, because we control our future one nanosecond at a time. But you can look at the probabilities of what might occur. So well, that would explain precognition, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, and and it's and it all comes from an altered state. It just it just it's right. just how you how you achieve yeah. that and how you sync up with that, right? So, yes, I, I think, yes. Yeah, sounds like. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Now, what I like doing, being you know, be, this is just the way I learned was through Monroe, and it was slow and it was steady, but uh -huh. every time you experience this state. And I mean, I don't know about doing mushrooms every day. You know, I don't, I don't know how that part <laughs> would work. But but like I, I can use the Monroe app and listen to these meditations all the mm -hmm. time. But every time you're in that state of expansion, you come back just like I did from the programs at Monroe changed. You start uh, there's an entrainment that occurs where you start seeing yourself 
as that field of energy, right. you expand greater and greater. You visit galaxies. You, you know, you, you are just so expansive. But it starts to change your makeup. And then the beauty of it is once you return is, and this was a little challenging for me, was learning how to integrate it. So it's great to have these wonderful experiences, but if I come back to my 3D life and I still go to work and I complain and fuss and all that, it's yeah. like, you know, I'm not learning a lot. But once you start to integrate, you your vision of the world and of you changes. You are not hmm. your physical body. You are not, you are so much more than what life is. I mean, it's really easy to think of ourselves as, you know, I'm not important. Who am I? I mean, you know, I'm just this little speck of nothing. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, of course you are. I am too. We all are. But when you look at the world through the lens of energy and you start looking at consciousness and when you expand, you realize you are consciousness. You are unity. You are are all that is now the messengers have shown me that consciousness for example think of it as a huge machine with a million millions and millions of moving parts let's say that you just decide to close your eyes and you just reach in that machine and you pull <laughs> out a cog or a bolt or a screw well guess what happens to that beautiful machine of consciousness it breaks down. So that's how we are important. We may think that we are meaningless, but no, we are all that is. And our little consciousness matters to the functioning of everything. The, the messengers, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. But the messengers. No, you know, Candace, you're still a psychologist. That's what I love. <laughs> well, well, and, and, you're and still one, explaining and, stuff. Well, and one and one thing I wanted to throw in just, and, and by the way, uh, just a disclaimer for YouTube, we're not, we're not promoting the use of psychedelics here, but, 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 but a lot of, but uh, some of the articles I've been reading lately about uh, people participating in, in, in these, in these, group experiences where they where it is really you know like you said native plant based yeah. uh 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 experiences Sac but but sacred but, ceremony and and yeah. they have and i mean they basically what would have been called uh previously probably would have been called a shaman but is a coach uh -huh. is called a coach these days to right. help to help integrate the experience once you come out of it so that you so that you can actually uh appreciate what you've experienced and 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 continue and, and let that anyways um i'm rambling and use it in your point. life and use it in your yeah. life yeah yes. yeah incorporate it that's incorporate cool. it that's the word incorporate it yeah corporation yeah. yeah absolutely and that's the key it's like why go to why go to school why go to college and then <laughs> come home and don't do anything with it once you have access to some of these beautiful dimensions regardless of how you got there bring it back with you learn from it the messengers tell me about something called the silent guru okay there's a lot a lot of gurus out there but the silent guru 
you know, that's the person you pass on the street who smiles at you. They, they may not write books or teach classes or, you know, be influences, influencers, but they share their energy field with you and you mm -hmm. change because of that. We can all bring back wisdom when we realize that we are not these individual particles in a physical body, we are all that is in what we do can change everyone. I mean, we look at the future, what's it going to bring? It comes back to one by one, what so actions do we choose? And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I love okay, talking Candace, about you need this. to write some more books. <laughs> right? This is great. <laughs> um, okay, I have one more question because I, okay. I see we're kind of running out of time here. But what what what's the messenger's message about the future? Just collectively for humanity. Okay. Actually, for several years, but I didn't really get it at the time, they were talking about a shift. Okay, a shift with Gaia, which is the spirit of Mother Earth. In fact, they gave me messages about Gaia, told me how to spell it. I mean, when I get the <laughs> messages, mess, you know, it's almost like dictation. If I make a mistake, they correct me. But they talked about Gaia. And at that time, I didn't even know what Gaia was. But that's the spirit of Mother Earth. But there is this veil of forgetfulness so that when we come to Earth, we can't just access those other realms. Okay. But. Our earth is transitioning. And as she transitions, what happens is that veil of forgetfulness is thinning. Now, Mother Earth had an option. She could bring us, humanity, along with her as she makes this transition. Or she could choose not to. Well, luckily for us, she chose to bring us along. And so what's happening as she is transitioning to higher vibrational frequencies She's starting to go through that veil. That is why people like me, trained psychologists who had no skill whatsoever in being psychic, all of a sudden, I started receiving messages. I started having visions. I started connecting with the field of energy that surrounds all of us. So when we look in terms of the future, our future depends on us and that sounds like yeah 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 but it really does it's us individually we're not insignificant think of that that machine of consciousness mm -hmm. and as we plan our life and we do plan our life we plan our life one nanosecond at a time we can choose how we're going to live the, the messengers have given me a formula, T-E-A, thoughts, energy, action. We have a thought, and that thought is fueled by energy. And depending on the energy that we use, that action will manifest one way or the other. If, if we say we're going to do something and we use the energy of doubt, oh, we can't do that, then it's going to manifest that, uh -huh. the doubt. So when we realize everything is energy and we can plan our life, if we choose to fuel our thoughts with high vibrational frequencies, love, gratitude, 
compassion, caring, then we are raising our vibrations. Then we become that silent guru. The more people that do that, the more that we start planning a life of peace and compassion and unity. Hmm. There will be a tipping point. And I kind of feel like maybe that's why paradigm busters are appearing. People who could do things that we don't ordinarily, at least in the past, saw, you know, people who are using their energy in different ways. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. This is so cool. (laughs) Well, you know, this, this reminds me, I I know we didn't get a chance to talk about stampede. Maybe we'll do that another time, but yeah, I remember this native story. I think it was Cherokee. It was a, a grandfather talking to his grandson. He said, every person has two wolves. One is like angry and hostile and growls all the time. And the other one is loving and compassionate and caring. And the grandson looks and he says, but granddad, which one wins? You know, because they're always in constant (laughs) battle. And he said, the one you feed. (laughs) That's great. We are. That's so true. When we know that, when we realize choosing our energy, who we want to give, who we want to feed is Mm -hmm. what will guide our future. That was really so profound. That's great. (laughs) Now, Candice, what what does your family think about what you're doing? I'm just curious. Well, are they in awe? I mean, do they get it? They okay. My daughter, for example, uh, you know, she she's an administrator in a school setting, and she um, also is um, she she used, she uh, she used to do some coaching, and and she's actually an athletic director. But I remember a few years ago, because um, I can do energy healing, I do Reiki, uh-huh. that can be long distance, and she wouldn't necessarily embrace. Oh, mom, blah blah blah. But then if she had, had like a student who was who had an uh, in, injury, she would say, oh, mom, can you do a little long distance Reiki on this person? <laughs> so when it was really convenient, she would ask for my assistance. Uh-huh. Now, my grandkids, they are seven and 11 now. And, um, you know, that book Stampede talks about uh-huh. Shalane, the youngest one, actually, when my daughter was pregnant with her. But when they come over and spend the night, I have taught them things that I'm pretty sure their other grandmother doesn't teach them. <laughs> they they come over, we shut down the hurricane shutters, it's completely dark, and we get out light bulbs. I have these little fluorescent light bulbs, like for a garage, and we light them with our hands. I teach them to use energy. I, I teach uh-huh. them to protect themselves in a bubble of light. I teach them some of the skills that that I'd learned through my connections with the messengers. And I know that they are growing up very differently than uh-huh. I did at that age. I bet they love coming to your house. <laughs> well, I can say it's quite different than probably <laughs> any other kid in their class. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> okay, tell people where they can get in touch with you and your website, okay. all that good stuff. Well, uh, the website is Candice, that's with an I, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Sanderson.com. 
and uh, they can find everything there. I mean, I've got a YouTube channel that has like 185 or 190 oh. uh, short videos on them. And these are all videos where I'm trying to share what I know. I mean, Trish, I've had people ask me, you know, um, to come and teach a class or to do things. It's uh -huh. like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to charge people for what I know. I want them to be able to access my knowledge. Right. And so that's why I do my YouTube channel. But they can find, you know, just through my website, they can find that. Okay. And then on, uh, you know, on Amazon, they can just look up my name or the Reluctant Messenger and they'll see those And things. the books are great for all you people yeah. who are readers. They're terrific. They take you into other worlds for sure. <laughs> We'll link Candace, to, thank we'll, you, John. We'll, when's this we'll, coming up? We'll like, uh, yeah, we'll link to the website and uh, in on the uh, podcast stream and the YouTube post. And uh, yeah, we hope to have this out later today. So, so uh, oh, okay, so, yeah. So I'll so, we'll send it to you, Candace. Yeah. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Mystical.